Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklings. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at tokyostationpens, and on Twitter at tokyostationmnh. And my name is Jacob, and I am Foodafan on Instagram and on Twitter, and have a blog at foodafan.com. Hello, my name is Cray, and you can find me on Instagram at miraikat. Hi, this is Alisa, and I'm Inky Rocks on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, and this is, believe it or not, this is Tokyo Inklings episode 50. 50 episodes of regular episodes. Obviously, we've done some, I think, three emergency episodes. But this is the official 5-0, Jacob. That's, that's incredible. Congratulations. It is, it is. <laughs> Thanks to you as well. Thanks to you as well. Well, congratulations. <laughs> I also wonder if we are the only stationary podcast that has even a concept of emergency <laughs> I'm episodes. pretty sure you guys invented it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some news can't wait. So, uh, so, you know, that's why we have them. But today we have, obviously, a special uh, group with us together. We have um, the four kind of, I guess, co-hosts that regularly come onto the podcast. And we thought we'd, you know, we, there, there has been some news uh, going on in the past two weeks, but we thought we'd also take this time to do a little bit of a Q&A, um, also kind of just to relax, sit back, and really talk about, you know, some of the things that you, the listener, wanted to know uh, about us. So um, I think without further ado, let's get into the main topics and then we'll go into the Q&A. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, let's do it. I think we have a very aggressive uh, plan here. So let's see how far we get. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, the first topic that I want to talk about is actually Hanabi Glass Studio. Now, I first heard of Hanabi Glass Studio from, from you, Alessa, when we were talking about the uh, glass pens. I think we were in person and you mentioned that there was this person um, and you'd seen them on Shumindo Bungabako and actually, you know, correct. he's from the US. And yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but you actually went down to his studio, right? Yeah, and I have a video in the making, but um, it's still in the making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually went down to his studio as well on um, I think two weeks ago now. Yeah, two weeks ago, uh, I went to his studio and I had a little chat with him, and I just want to talk a little bit about the the visit itself because he lives. I wouldn't say it's like too far away, but it's it's not close, right? It's like about an hour away um, from central Tokyo, uh, and I think what was very interesting, and Jacob, you've mentioned this. I'm not sure if you've talked about this on the podcast or not, but most of the glass pen makers here tend to be very secretive about how they make the pens, right? Especially the nib. Yeah, especially the nib part. Now, Alessa, I don't know if uh, if he showed you or, or not, but when I went down there, um, what I found was obviously, you know, he's from the States, he, he speaks English, we had a great conversation, but he was very open in showing almost all of the process in how he makes Absolutely. He was pen. very open about it and very friendly about it. And I think... Um, he both benefits and helps the community of glass pen makers. Yeah. And um, I asked him a bunch of different questions. And I, I would like to have an interview with him. So I, I, I don't want to talk for him. Um, but I asked him, hey, you know, if, if somebody comes to Japan and, and they want to see, you know, the, they want to see the process, 
know, do you welcome visitors? And he seemed very willing to, to have people go down and visit him. You know, really friendly guy. Yeah, he really is. And he's also very steeped in the tradition of glassmaking and has studied under, you know, um, some interesting people and has very deep knowledge of glass pen making. It's not just, um, you know, he saw an opportunity to, to, to do make money or whatever. He's definitely into the whole glass art thing. And glass pens yeah. is a part of that. Yeah, and he told me that um, he actually started the pen uh, part of his business around three years ago when he had an opportunity to try a fountain pen mm-hmm. from his uncle or something. And now he says like 90% oh, of his really? work is, is in pens. He yeah. used to make like a lot of pendants. Yeah, he says most of his work is in, is in pens now. Um, and obviously he has the, all the troubles of, uh, of like shipping else, abroad, yeah. you know, um, just, yeah, just, just a disaster. But, but yeah, he, he says that he, he works on a lot of pens now. Um, something that I found particularly interesting is not only does he operate under his own brand, um, he also makes a lot of glass yes. pens for yes. other so also, glass studios. He provides under their name too. Yeah. So I asked him if it was okay to say this and he said, you know, it's, it's a known secret that I work for um, Goody Kobo, but he actually makes most of the, the glass pens for Goody Kobo. Um, I think he makes the, the nibs and then he, he either has them already made or he, he sends the parts out and then they have their apprentices. Yeah, I think to, when I went to out to I interview him, um, he just got through making like 100 pens for them. It was insane. Yeah. And, you know, his studio is, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a little yeah, room yeah. right outside uh-huh. of, you know, where, where he lives. And he was like, yeah, so I had to go out and I had to like build all of these uh, ventilation <laughs> things. And yeah. A- and he told me that, yeah, in, in the summer, it, it's impossible to work in Japan yeah. because hot. it's outside. So it's like very, very hot. Um, so he says, you know, he's he's trying to, to save up to build kind of like an underground, like um, build a new house and and have a studio underground so you can work like, you know, during normal hours instead of like midnight. Oh my God. Did you actually go into the studio and watch him make something? I did. Yeah. Cause it's like, he had these fans and then he had these pumps going and it's like, I've got it all in the video and like, you know, he's wearing these crazy glasses and there's fire going on. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And he had all of, all these like different crazy color rods. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, he showed me the technique where he kind of, um, pulls the the glass so that it really looks like the fireworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, pretty cool. And I asked him. I said, "Hey, like, do you take custom orders? If if I had a design in mind, could I go to you and have you make something totally custom for me?" He's like, "Yeah, I can. I can probably do that." So, um, so yeah, definitely, I'd say reach out to him because he's a really friendly guy. Uh, and something I want to talk about actually is his precision with the nibs because I think with a lot of glass pens and Jacob you've talked about this as well I think you have some experience as well Um, a lot of glass pens um, I think why they haven't caught on until very recently is that the nibs were always kind of like scratchy not pleasant to use right well I heard from uh, someone that because glass pens are now becoming so popular, most of these like glass makers that make like, uh, stuff for department stores or whatnot, they all have started making uh, glass pens, glass nibs, but they are just trying to figure out how to make the nibs. Most of them create pretty bad nibs at first, and it takes them a while to um, improve the process. Yeah, 
And um, when I went down there, Lucas told me that there are several ways of making the nib. And what a common way of doing that is they have like this mold. They, they heat up the glass and they just stick the glass in the mold. And then they pull it out and it's in the shape of a nib, right? And I think that's what those like cheaper versions of the glass pens are. But those are usually pretty scratchy. Mm. And um, when he was making it, he had this tube of glass. And then he would have a smaller kind of, I guess, you know, glass rod. And he would draw on each of the grooves. So those grooves that you see on the more expensive glass pens, those are actually like, you know, hand drawn or, or hand applied onto, uh, onto the base rod. And, you know, it, it does take a lot of time and something that I was really impressed is how precise he was with the nibs. Um, I think that that was a uh, that was very impressive. Well, one one of the things that I felt like one of the reasons why I picked him as opposed to anybody else is that um, for people that are mainly like your audience and you guys's audience and and mine are, are mostly English speakers and you know he's American so you can communicate him with him very easily and that was one of the main reasons I wanted to interview him. But the other also is that he's kind of pushes the boundary a little bit more and he's someone that consistently makes italic nibs and they're like very usable italic nibs. I think Jacob really likes his um, that he got from Hanabi but um, that that's really he's kind of more, a little more cutting edge and a little more I think into the actual pen scene. Yeah I remember how I how got that one so Alessa you and I went to Okamoto also last year and we looked at various glass nibs there and we saw there was one that was a stub and we both <laughs> decided <laughs> we, fighting we, over we it. wanted to buy it. <laughs> yeah. We were fighting over it, yeah. And uh, I didn't really pay attention to the brand. So it wasn't until after I got it, I went back to uh, and looked at Shumin de Bungabak and tried to figure out what I've actually bought that I realized that this was a, a Hanabi pen. Yeah. You know, as one does. <laughs> yeah. Who cares about the brand? Yeah, but... Um, yeah, definitely recommend um, talking to him. And yeah, just I think for me personally, I feel like he's really gotten the nibs down. I feel like there can be more adventurous designs on the pen body. Like he, you can tell he's like a really expert glass blower. But I think in terms of the the body shapes, what we see from like uh, from let's say like a Hase, right? It, it's clearly very aimed at that like specific yeah. ink numa audience mm. and i think in comparison what lucas does is not it, it's technically you're just as skilled but i think like the shape and um and the outside design right the the because essentially what you get is is a rod and then inside there are like various yeah. different colors and those are all like really beautiful but then the outside shape is, is essentially a rod, right? I think there's some exploration that could be done with uh, with like shape of the actual pen itself. And I think that's where um, somebody with a good idea could come and say, hey, Lucas, I've got an idea in my head. It's a crazy idea. Do you think you'd be able to do it? And I think, you know, that will really take that to the next level. But um, I have now both his italic and <laughs> Tusa's italic. And I think um, his italic is much sharper, much more like an italic nib. Tuse is more like yeah, a Yeah, and I think nib. also, uh, nothing against Tuse. I mean, it's, it, I play with it a lot. But 
Um, I think his is a little more, uh, um, the Hanabi Glass Studio one's a little more useful for actually like writing or if you wanted to actually do italic writing or something like that because it's a little more, you know, yeah. it's not giant and it's not real, real thick where you have to like dip the pen several times. So, yeah, yeah it's probably a little more useful. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can actually tell him right, right. what size you want it to be. And he can he can get it down to to like he said he can get it down to like zero point one millimeter yeah. accuracy. Yeah. So, so it's are really, you putting out really like a, a separate like interview of him or something later on the podcast? So um, my my hope is that he, uh, we can find some time to to call him and oh, maybe have okay. him talk about yeah his, that would be uh, interesting yeah it well. would be I think that'll be cool yeah and if Sailor doesn't make anything special for Sailor Moon anniversary. This year, maybe there is some <laughs> collaboration we can make with Lucas and uh, having a Sailor Moon van, uh, like magic van in glass van would be it would be very nice. It would be cool. <laughs> I mean, he he does some crazy stuff with colors, so you know if you've got an idea, you should okay. you should talk to him. All right, um, next topic on the list, uh, we have this pen that we don't actually really talk about too often. It's the Pilot Grance. I saw this announcement about two days ago that Pilot has released a new a model. But before we talk about that specific model, so let's talk about this Illumili brand. So we have talked about this Illumili brand on a few occasions now. I think Pilot launched that like a year ago or so. And uh, under this Illumili brand, they have launched like ballpoint, rollerballs, uh, mechanical pencils, notebooks, and various like, cute stationery. It's all like pastel color, like pink purplish very stylish it's very obvious what kind of target audience they have in mind and they seem to be promoting it heavily you have them at the, the big um, the stationery stores to have this um, big display of ilmili stationery and we have said at least i have said on a few occasions now that i wish i wish that pilot would launch a like an ilmili fountain pen at least a fountain pen with that illumina aesthetic and that's kind of sort of what they have done just now so two days ago they launched two new models in this grand series and i think maybe this pen is not available outside japan or maybe it's called something else outside japan but grand is this like slender gold nibbed um, fountain pen that's been around from since like the 90s or so but there's been a bit of a grand boom in uh, Japan, I'll say, over the last year or so, suddenly, I think like, maybe one year ago or so, all of these like Inkunumas uh, suddenly got the Grand pens. You saw them all over Instagram, and I think it's still going on. I think this is still a popular pen. So, if you want to make like a fountain pen with that Ilmeli aesthetic, I think Grand C is one of the best models to. to base it on and that's kind of what they did here so the new grand set that they announced two days ago has this pastel colored uh, marbled um i don't know if it's acrylics or resins or whatever it is but it it's not doesn't have the ilmili brand but it looks exactly like this ilmili pens and it, it fits in that aesthetic perfectly so i think this is a this is shows that Pilot does actually pay attention um, and they do release pens in the colors that people want. But I think this may be very Japan specific. Do we even know if Grand C exists outside Japan? 
Um, Grancy, I think, is a relatively lesser known line because I think for for a lot of other other countries, you're starting you're starting a starting pilot fountain pen is the seventy four, right? Yeah. What's interesting about the Grancy is that it's a number three nib, mm. so it's actually smaller than the seventy four, and I'm looking online now, and I do see that you know people like Brad Dowdy have um, have reviewed this pen. Uh, they well appointed desk has has uh, has reviewed the pen. They have it on cult pens, so I think it does exist outside of Japan as well. But I don't think it's a very popular. Yeah, it might not be popular outside Japan. I think maybe for a while it wasn't popular here, here either. But again, there's been a bit of a Grand C boom, at least among these like, Inkunuma influencers over the last year or so. So I think it's very interesting that Pilot chose that model, chose to like yeah. pimp that model with, with some with some uh, yeah. pastel-colored uh, marble well, acrylics. I have a Grant's, and I'll tell you exactly why I got it. When I, I got it very early in my pen collecting, like maybe, I don't know, eight years ago or so, ten years ago. And um, it's, it was an, at that time, it was less than $100. Now it's what, about $200, I think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at that time, but, I mean, it was, you could get a gold nib for under $100. And for many women, it's slender and small. I think a lot of women prefer mm-hmm. that. Like mm-hmm. the Ferris Wheel Press um, paintbrush um, fountain pen is very slender and small and so i think that they picked the perfect one to appeal to uh, the inconuma ladies mm-hmm. yeah and interestingly the grancy was very popular with specifically pilot collectors so oh, really yeah oh. you'd have like uh, because i think they had different versions so i know that um leo Falk of inquisitive cool who's been on this podcast before he has a collection of grancy pens as well um you see them on his instagram feed as well so it's, I guess, it being lesser well known, is is like an appeal, right? I'm reading the Panatic blog right now, and as of August 22, 2018, the Grancy was 140 dollars, mm. and that puts it in the same price point yeah. as the Custom 74. Had more probably color variations, but I think one of the reasons maybe why it didn't appeal so much outside of Japan is that. You know, for that price, you could get a size five nib. Mm. But um, but now we have the Grancy, and as you say, Jacob, four different colors, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Do we want to talk about the price because it's yeah. kind <laughs> of expensive? It's now it's twenty twenty two thousand yen yeah. with tax. Yeah, it's. Do we know the 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 price for the regular model? Yeah, it's twelve thousand, I believe, with a gold nib, and then eight thousand with steel nib. Right, and then. The ballpoint pen is uh, seven thousand seven hundred for the regular ballpoints. Now, for these marbled ones, the ballpoint pen is eleven uh, eleven thousand, mm. and the fountain pen version is twenty two thousand. So, I think actually the eleven thousand that's not that much of a markup mm. from the from the ballpoint. But the gold nibs they really jumped up, almost, didn't double, they? almost. And this is available in fine and medium. The more basic models are available, I think, in two more, like EF or FM or something like yeah. that. So 
but, but all of this seems consistent with what I also did with this SE models, right? So, so you, you, you're paying more and you get fewer new options with uh, the, the fancy <laughs> acrylics. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's turn to the, the target audience, um, the ladies on the call. What do you think of this pen? Would you buy this pen? No. I mean, it doesn't have <laughs> shimmer in it. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah not only the shimmer, but I, I, I think from... Um, it's too a little bit too classical for me. Um, I, I will see more like someone. I don't know. It's maybe a cliche, but someone who loves cats and uh, drink lots of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I I drink a lot of tea. I drink a lot. Of tea. I, I don't like. I drink a lot. Of, I don't know. I see it more like more like um, a retired teacher or piano <laughs> lesson professor. You know. It, it, it seems really classical for me. I don't know. I, I think they made a mistake with the price because if it's, I, I think it is aimed at the Incanula ladies. And, um, you know, the when you first start with a fountain pen, you're not going to want to spend a lot of money. And I know for yeah. many people, $200 isn't very much money. But if you're going, you know, from a $100 glass pen and you're going to go up to $200 for a fountain pen, it's a pretty big jump. And they made up, they, I mean, they should have kept it below $200, I think, maybe 150 or something, if they were going to raise the price for the, the different colors. But definitely the shape and the coloring, like you're saying, it, it's got that pastel kind of uh, watercolor look to it. And I can see that being very appealing mm-hmm. to women who like the watercolor kind of look of many of the, you know, chroma shaders and stuff. So it almost looks like there's some chroma shading ink on it, you know. So mm-hmm. that exactly. they, they, the design was very smart, and I and I think that, that the fact that it's a small nib and it's slender doesn't really hurt them that much because many women do want to have that. But the advantage of it before was that because it was a smaller nib and it was a smaller pen, it was cheaper. Mm. And now you've kind of lost that edge there, so I, it, it may struggle. Yeah, it's the, if it's the same price as a 74, I will take a 74. Yeah, exactly. Even though 74 and I will custom- is boring. And yeah. I will add the yeah. customization if I wanted to have it differently. Right. Yeah. So for, a, uh, it's not a limited edition, right? It's like a, a second line, right? Mm. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it, the price is almost double the standard line. And it, I don't know, it missed something for me. But it's really like a personal point of view. Yeah, it, it's actually even more expensive than a 74, even for the custom kite colors, which, you know, they're, they're solid colors, but still, they're really nice ones, right? Yeah. I think this goes back to Alessa's point during this uh, year-end episode that Sailor, for some reason, that they get away with whatever, any pricing, <laughs> yeah. but whenever Pilot bumps the price, then yeah, it's a pitchfork. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think the sailor one. See, this is interesting, right? The, the sailor price increases um, have risen across the board, whereas I feel like if I have to choose between a Grance and a seventy-four, right? Seventy-four has risen in price, but not to like this yeah. degree, right? So it's it's right. not like double the price. Um, so I think that's where the comparison is. But I think also the body. I know the the kind of bind is is the is acrylic, but the body I I think it's it's actually brass. Yeah, it is. Um, so this is not 
a particularly light pen either. Well, right? the the brush pen from Ferris Wheel Press is also brass. It's pretty heavy, but it's just yeah. slender. I think one one interesting thing that Kui, you brought up about you know who's going to be using this pen, I almost see this as a competition for the capless because this is a snap cap mm. pen. So what what I would imagine is like you know maybe the office lady or um or a teacher who wants you know just uncap it for a quick note but also wants to you know have a little bit nicer of a mm-hmm. writing instrument um you know they're not sitting down for like long writing sessions but they they just want to take quick notes um but still have something really nice to write with yeah i guess there is something really spring like i think the release date is not uh, completely um how to say um uh, um a coincidence like Valentine's Day will come and uh, a white white day will come after that and the color yeah. remind yeah. of spring and flowers so I I, th- I guess there's something right. the, the market is quite aiming to to feminine or mm. more feminine market than than everyone yeah. or m- masculine people who like uh, pastel color or watercolors and all right. Um, so that was uh, that was the Grandse. Do we want to move to Bunga Box? Yeah. Now, um, we, you and I, we, we met up for exactly. lunch on Sunday. Yes, exactly. And uh, it was right before I went to Bunga Box. Uh, to normally pick up and, the pen. You know, I, I did a live. Yeah. And so, so we had a discussion on Sunday while we were having lunch. And I said, oh, well, did you see the new pen? You're like, yes. And uh, the packaging is adorable. Yeah, the packaging, right? the finial was really yeah. interesting. Yeah, and then and then I said, you know, but I'm the type of person. Uh, the package goes into the rubbish bin the first five seconds. Yeah, yeah, I remember you, you and, said that, and I can add yeah. that she has to see the pen in real to to know if the um, say the value of the pen is more than only the cherry on the top of the packaging. Uh, and then you said. What did you say? I mean, I know what you said, but <laughs> I, I want said you to that say it. it's it's a really cute pen, but orange is not my color. Yeah, and you said you're not. <laughs> yeah, buy I said it. that. I, I think I won't buy it. But okay, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, do you have one? Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen my last post? <laughs> <laughs> so so, what do you think about it? It's a really really nice pen, and I think I will add orange in my list of colors. <laughs> No, but to tell like to to tell the whole story. So I'm you can you can hear by my voice that I'm sick for like I don't know how many weeks. I have a, a lot of cold and um, it became when we met. I told you that I just broke my knee, my rib oh. by coughing last weekend, and uh, it gets so painful that I have to go and see a doctor. And we cannot do anything about it. It's just wait that it will. Uh, getting better but they give me a lot of painkillers and antibiotics so i'm under medicine for one week at least and um, the fact that this pen arrived and is so bright and remind of orange and vitamins give me a little bit of uh, how to say uh, sunlight in my energy yeah cold days yeah so it's a very very, uh, yeah it's a beautiful uh, mini sailor the orange is is um it's not uh, like the ink is brighter than the pen, and um, the finial mm-hmm. and the nib engrave is really cute. So uh, yeah, I'm completely in love uh, with the 
with it. And uh, I took with a Zoom nib and I'm, I'm doing all my um, uh, calligraphy session uh, with it. And it's really uh, uh, like yeah, very exciting. I'm very happy that I changed my mind so easily. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so as I was going, you're like, no, I'm not gonna buy this pen. And I, I saw you coming to my to yeah. my IG live, and then afterwards you texted me. You said I bought the pen, <laughs> and I I had a discussion with Julie uh, in um, um, yeah. my my pen pal in New Zealand, and she she was uh, getting in. She was like, will you get in? And I was like, no, you know, orange. I don't have any orange pen. It's definitely not my color. And then. I go back to the website to the Bungo Box website because first they didn't put the picture; they had only the sketch of the pen. So as yeah. as much I bought the Supernova without knowing how it looked like, but I knew it would be a lot of sparkling, so I didn't uh, hesitate one second. This one I really need to see the pen in picture before I decide myself. And when they add the series of picture mm-hmm. and I saw the f- final and the nib, I was like, okay, the, it's it's not only the packaging. And luckily for me, there was some money on my PayPal and Bungo Box accept PayPal. <laughs> so I didn't feel like I, I, I put too much money in it. You know, it's like a money who was staying on a PayPal account. Yeah. <laughs> and it was funny because, uh, because your husband, you know, we, we live relatively close to each other. So, you know, we know your family. And then your husband said to me, ah, she doesn't have to give you money this time. <laughs> And then in the end, yeah, he said, he said, uh, if we didn't meet with them to, today, you will never be on on Bunga Box website. Because <laughs> I think I ordered it at one a.m. Uh, the same day on Sunday night, like in the middle of the night, before going to bed. That's good. Yeah, that's good. So no, no more lunch together for a while to see why. And I can. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So so what they did here is actually really interesting they, they this is their 10th year anniversary they've actually collaborated with a brand of uh mikan mm-hmm. producers so mikan i think is called mandarins in mm, yes english tangerine yeah. or mandarin yeah yeah tangerines mandarin and it, it's quite interesting because and i think this pen will be very very popular with chinese people because you know it's the chinese mm-hmm. new year on t- on tuesday but um but they they selected this pen they actually collaborated with the producer and the packaging is actually um, the same cardboard packaging as what you would get the mandarins in from exactly. the farmers. And it's very funny because and from from the day I, I got this packaging, I saw the, the, the original packaging everywhere and I never paid attention to it. <laughs> but no, when I went to the supermarket, when I, I crossed some small shop, I, I live like the, my area has a lot of this... Uh, small, um, uh, how to say, uh, um, ceramics and uh, kitchen uh, accessory stuff. They used the box, the original box, to put other stuff in that. And I saw this logo everywhere, in usually in blue. But yeah, so it's very, uh, I never pay attention to it. Like it's a, it's a normal, uh, it's a logo of, uh, of yeah. a farmer, farmer fruits and vegetables stuff. But from from that moment, uh, it's it's everywhere. It's very famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they are actually not only releasing this in the uh, in the Fat Mini though, right? They actually, and I don't think this has been announced to the non-Western audience yet. But in the email newsletter, they they announced the pen in English, and then on the bottom, in Japanese, they said, "And we're also going to release a King of Pen." Oh, yeah. 
uh, called Mikancha. It's not uh, it's not finished yet, but they're gonna make thirty of this Mikancha in the same shape as those um, Kaihas and Koans in the um, in the Ebonite uh, that they have that they release oh. every year, right? Mm-hmm. On top of that, they're gonna have rod and finial. They're gonna have makie numbered, uh, you know, out of thirty, and the whole pen oh. will be urushied. Wow, wonder where that's gonna run. Well, well, she she told me uh, what the price is gonna be, so I said I'll take one, I, I, and I asked for number thirty, and then I told her, you know, your price is too low, right? And she was very surprised. Um, and yeah, I showed her the the pricing for you know just the regular ebonite king of pens and even kaiha for. An Urushi pen. The pen was uh, was I think underpriced, and she says, "Oh, now I have to go review my pricing." But I've already sold a few. What do I do? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's. I think it's it's going to be exciting. It's also going to be a King of Pen with its own custom stamp. Wow. Yeah. And what uh, what Kaurasan told me is that they didn't write tenth anniversary on the stamping because they want to reuse the stamp. Oh. So this suggests to me that we're going to see more Bunga Box King of Pens. Oh, that's great. So what was the price? I'm not going to say. <laughs> is it, is offline, it secret? Offline, you can say it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, well, cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> she hasn't announced it yet, so um, so I'll say it once she announces it. Oh, okay. Well, um, you know, there's probably a lot of people in the, in the States that aren't very happy that you told her to raise her prices. <laughs> well, one of the things that I, I told, told her about also is I complained that Sailor has been too aggressive in raising yeah. the prices. And she told me, yeah, I agree. And she told me that she went to the president of Sailor. She complained about the raising prices. And what did they say? You know, price of gold, blah, blah, uh, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't cut, her, they didn't cut mean, Bunga Box out of their partner, like partnership. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> because to tell the truth, no, no, I no. checked my collection and all my last uh, limited edition are from Bunga Box. They are so, so good. With the like stories yeah. behind the pen and all the yeah all the really yeah perfect for that yeah. they are really really yeah. good so I'm just like yeah don't stop collaborate yeah. together please yeah she she don't, knows how to read she knows how to read the buyers really well mm-hmm. and give them what they want yeah. I think that's and, especially true with the Western audience. And that's always yeah. something that struck me. Like when you see Bungbox releasing new pen, you will see them all over Instagram after a while, but it's almost exclusively like US, European uh, yeah. uh, customers. And sort of related to that, I always thought of Bungbox social media presence has always been very like gotcha, gotcha. They have never really had good photos, always been very unstructured compared mm-hmm. to like their competitors like, Kakimori you know, Listop and Kakimori and Pentonote and Hachimoni. It's all very stylish, all very professional. And it's very appealing to, I mean, going back to this, you know, this uh, Inkunuma audience. I don't think they find Bungbox's social media presence particularly appealing. I think they might be hurting Bungbox. But in the same time, they are, they are one of the rare one who has a uh, international uh, shop online. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, Kakimori has two, but yep. they don't have their own fountain pen. But all the other brand, mm. Pentonote, tag, uh, tag, tag. They start, they start uh, last year, but the other one you cannot access to the pen if you are you don't know someone or you don't go by a, a buying service. So maybe it's why we ha- we yeah. saw them so, and they are really fast with shipping. So I saw some people in the UK, US already got their. There, I got mine like 
36 hours after ordering, or less than 36 hours. Mm. And I saw some people got them yesterday or, or Thursday and outside Japan. So in, in it's quite crazy. I don't know which service they're using. Yeah, they're using okay. DHL, and it's it's extremely fast. They um, Toasty Treat, our friend on Instagram, she got hers, I think, on Tuesday. Yeah, the same day as I got. They shipped yeah, out on Monday. Exactly. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I agree with you, Jacob. The, I think... Um, they lack a social media mm-hmm. strategy, but I think, you know, the products kind of make up for it. So if they, if they just hone in on that social media strategy, they, you know, th- they're going to be incredible. I mean, not that they're not already incredible, right? But I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they have good products. I mean, most of their pens, limited editions, I mean, they are, uh, some are beautiful, some are like whimsical, uh, but, you might not realize that looking at their social media. But yeah. do they need it in the same time? Well, it depends on which audience you're going for again. I mean, they seem to have a lot of success with their Western customers, and maybe that's all they need. But my gut feeling is that they, they would have more success in, in Japan. Japan with something a bit more, uh, let's say, kakimori-like. Mm. Although I think pen fans of Boongabox pens can rejoice because I, in a joking way, I said, I want a... Magic of Alice um, Rialo. <laughs> and um, and she said to me, she said, well, you know how we've been re-releasing pens in all different kinds of like shapes mm-hmm. and sizes? So they did like three versions of, um, of Seiya, right? So Silent Night, they did like three or four versions, I think four versions. The most recent is a Pro Gear. The last one was, uh, was uh, Rialo. And so she says, you know, maybe we're going to, uh, we're going to do, you know, that pen in a different shape as well so if you like the magic of alice please go and on twitter tag them and say you want to react please 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 i really want it to happen i want their can again <laughs> i missed yeah. the can one <laughs> last topic the main topic i guess it's it's a quick one uh we were speaking uh with somebody who works in the industry a few weeks ago and they remarked to me they said yeah every time we get these sample pens all of the manufacturers, they're okay with us using any ink except Iroshizuku because Iroshizuku is very hard to clean. And I've not personally, like, I think all ink are hard to clean, to be honest. Um, but that got me thinking, I wonder what kinds of, uh, of inks we use because if the, the manufacturer is saying, you know, Irosh- Iroshizuku is banned, right? I personally use Kompeki. Um, but now I'm using a lot of Diamond China Blue. I'm wondering if uh, if you have different inks that you use to, let's say, like test um, test paper. I know Jacob, you test a lot of paper. Koi, you test a lot of paper as well. Um, you know, for the consistency, are there some go-to inks that that you guys use? So for me, if I buy like a second-hand pen from Yahoo Auctions or Mercari, the first ink I use is Sailor Doyo. So not only is it ridiculously easy to clean, and not only is it probably Sailor's wettest ink, but it's it's self-cleaning. It, it, it removes stains. It's like a magical ink, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've heard, we've heard that, right? Like, I, I have a bottle. I don't really use it, but yeah, it does remove stains, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, so, so, I mean, if you have a pen that doesn't work well with Doyo, then, then you have a problem with, with your pen. So that's probably the, the ink I would use. But yeah, you mentioned also these uh, kakimori inks and that's for a whole different purpose so we had talked before about how 
kakimori inks tend to be like feather prone that they also tend to um to to bleed through they're very nice to write with uh, if you're good paper but on a lot of paper it feathers and bleeds so this one in particular that i bought at uh ginsai Staya and Ginza, I believe, called Akitsta, which is this intense uh, red ink. And it's beautiful ink if you use good paper, but it feathers on pretty much anything that that isn't, you know, Old Tomo River, Sunset Tomo River, Grafila, or Midori MD. So I'm using that as my, as you say, as my paper testing ink. I, I don't fault a paper if, if it causes bleed through with this ink, but if it doesn't, if it handles this ink, well, then I know. Then I know that this this is going to be fantastic paper. Yeah, and if it feathers, you just laugh at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Quay? You do a lot of um, ink yeah, testing. Yeah. So testing one too, of right? the um, how to say the kill kill all the paper ink that I use is Emerald or Shiver of Gerbin. So I can see uh, if the the sheen can appear, if the the ink will go through. Uh, and I use it as a flex nib usually to to really like put a lot of ink. <laughs> On the paper and, and to see if the paper will yeah if the paper will resist the and not ghost uh, on the other side and Sailor one two three Sailor Studio one two three I like to use it too to see uh, if the shading appear or got like um, absorbed by the paper when it's not like uh, the the, the uh, usual uh, Tomori River or Garfilo when I test like random paper is the two ink I will. Uh, I will use to to see the reaction on the papers, and I can add the sailor um, um, uh, bronze, the Maruzen uh, medals. Ah, yeah, Dokan, Dokan. yeah exactly. I, I often use uh, this tree to to see if like a random paper is has uh, some potential or it's just going directly to the paper bin. <laughs> That's so interesting because I feel like, Jacob, you mentioned your first ink is doyo, right? Mm. Which is like, you know, you just want to see if the pen works. Yeah. Whereas, Quay, your first ink is just like the all of the bad stuff, like the shimmer, the sheen, like super wet. And you want to see if the paper exactly. can handle like all of you. <laughs> yeah, that's really I, funny. I, 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 I guess I'm... I guess the difference is like Jacobs is testing a lot of nib and pen. And I, of course, I add more pen in my collection every time and, and so, but I don't, I, I stay in the same um, family of pen. And it could be mm -hmm. that I got a bad sailor nib or it, it could happen, but it's quite, until now, I, I didn't get, get this time for them. So I'm more testing the papers than the pen itself. And you, Alessa, what do you, what do you? Well, I'd like to to challenge that. Who did you hear that from? About Iroshizuku. Yeah. I'm not gonna say on the podcast because. But, but it wasn't pilot, was it? No. So already, already, your information is tainted because okay. it's a it's a competitor. Because I've actually looked into Iroshizuku a lot because I've actually had um, Tsukio burn out a diaphragm on a Edison memo. Mm -hmm. And they're very alkaline inks. Yeah. And they're not hard to clean. They're just mm. alkaline. And so I find that, that information to be a little bit tainted. Mm. I think Idoshizuku can be avoided for using like maybe sack pens or some mm -hmm. vintage pens. But I don't really see it as being 
something that stings. Yeah, I would use Tukio mm-hmm. or maybe Waterman's Serenity Blue or something like that. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't take that person's opinion as fact in any way, shape, or form because yeah. it's not it's not backed up by experience. He didn't say it was because of this. He just said it was hard to clean. He didn't say, well, I stuck it in this and this is what happened. But I do know that I stuck um, Tsukiyo in a Edison Menlo and it burned out the diaphragm. Yeah. So I can tell you that it isn't very alkaline ink, but if you look it up, it is a very alkaline ink. But I wonder if it's possibly related, I mean, as you say, because alkaline, I wonder if it has to do with, like, if you don't clean it properly, if you by unintentionally mix Iroshizuko and like Sailor Inks, maybe that. It's a bad, bad mix. Yeah, maybe if you mix it ink, yeah, because you're mixing the different yeah, pHs exactly. or something. But um, but to just come out and say, we don't use Itoshizuku, I'm like, well, you're probably Sailor or Platinum, you know, and I'm pretty sure, I'm <laughs> pretty don't, sure Pilot's going, use, I would never use Sailor use. in a pen, you know. Yeah, yeah, don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. So, but yeah, but I typically use um, either um, Tsukio or like maybe Serenity Blue or sometimes mm-hmm. Pilot Blue Black. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because the Sailor and Platinum seem to be okay with each other's inks, but somehow not Pilots. Because they are yeah. cheaper and in a in a bigger bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I use Compeki, or I use Compeki. Uh, I actually ran out of Compeki now, but I use Compeki for my ink testing as well. And um, you know, I think what's great about it is that. Once I get to like a third of the bottle, I just dump some water in and keep using. If you need some more compacti, I, I think I have a dozen bottles here that I'm never going <laughs> to use. Because of the wish, I'll, 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 I'll take them. <laughs> yeah. But I'm su- I'm surprised that Jacob didn't uh, talk about uh, Maruzen Eternal Blue because for me it's Jacob's ink. Yeah. Every time you see some some yeah. picture, that there is one pen ink with Eternal Blue. So I'm really yeah. surprised. But Eternal Blue. It's quite saturated, right? It's it's a, it's an ink I enjoy using, okay. um, but it's not the easiest one the to clean. One. Okay. I would definitely say that. Okay. Yeah, okay. it's definitely say that Doyo is easier to clean. And again, Doyo has this mysterious property that it's sometimes managed to remove existing stain, which is very nice if you buy like an old pen on Yahoo Auctions that has been neglected for a few decades. Okay. All right, let's get into the Q and A. We've got a few Q and A. So I'm going to start with the first one. The first question is, at what point do you think fountain pen users and collectors should become comfortable with making adjustments to their own pens and accept that not every pen is going to perform well? Should we persist with returning pens that aren't 100% back to the retailer slash manufacturer or should we just accept that the more we collect, the inevitability of faulty nibs is something that we cannot avoid? What do we think? They want to make their own adjustment or like to give it to someone who... Who green nibs are? I guess. Uh, I guess the question is: Should we return pens that are not a hundred percent working out of the box every time, or you know, should we try to learn at least some adjustment? You know, like adjusting mm-hmm. the tines or, or whatever. I think. I think that if the pen doesn't write, that you should definitely return it. Uh, and I think that also means that. You should probably, if, if, well, if you're not comfortable adjusting and if you don't want to do that, then you should either buy it from a brick and mortar store um, and try if it. that is possible. Exactly, because that is that is the exact reason why you want to do that. that you go to Marazen and you try five different pens um, and even for the same pen, 
two pens might write slightly differently. Uh, you find a pen that actually writes the way you want it and then you buy that. And even if you have a problem, you can go, come, go back and you might even have a pain clinic. I mean, that is the reason why you go there and, and pay retail price. That, that is, that is va value add. If you buy it online, I think you should buy it online from somewhere that has a refund uh, policy. And I think as far as I know, I'm, Amazon is always perfect, right? You can always return almost anything to Amazon. Sometimes people abuse that, but... The, um, that's a good option if you have to buy online if you don't have any brick and mortar store near you. Mm. Yeah, I, I guess like when you pay the the price of a new pen, I don't, I'm not talking about second hand or stuff like that, but if you pay a price of a new pen and it doesn't work well when you buy when you use it the first time, there is a problem in the in the pen, so you have to re like I will return it and. If it's a minor problem and you you have a lot of pen and you know how to to readjust, like if you are CY, then you can keep it and play with it. But I guess you are quite upset if you put a full price and the pen doesn't write correctly the first time you ink it. Yeah, it's not. It's, you cannot say that because you have a lot. There will be like twenty percent of them who doesn't work, and that's that's the life. It's not working for me. It's not working like that. One thing I would like to add to that, though, is that as a consumer, you should also make sure you do your research ahead of time. Because if you want something that just works, that requires minimum maintenance, then it's not just about you know, the out-of-the-box experience. Like Some brands are going to give you more headache over mm -hmm. time than others. I mean, imagine if you're buying a car. If, you, if, you want, if you're not comfortable, like poking at the engine or like making small adjustments or if you don't have someone who can repair the car close to you you're probably not going to go buy an Alfa Romeo <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's, that's only one reason though right. <laughs> yeah I, I um, this is a timely question because uh, as you said you should probably do some research uh, and if you're already listening to this then I can tell you if you want a pen that works don't buy Italian pens <laughs> <laughs> oh man you're gonna just like get some hate mail on that <laughs> well uh, no you know but there are legendary stories of uh visconti's quality control <laughs> for a reason and actually i actually got in the new brooks visconti um the medici astral in nova blue very very popular very beautiful pen by the way um it came just, i don't know what happened to it but but the the nib the, the tipping wasn't wasn't put on centered and there was like uh this plastic like gunk thing inside the the pen at the ink window and it had like you know material scratches on the back the finials not lined up etc etc and you know i i don't even know why i keep buying viscontis because i don't even like them that much but you know, they just come with defects that it's it's not a bug; it is a feature. Mm. So um, why do you get them? They look pretty. Yeah. Why else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you should not return a pen if you like how it looks and it's a limited edition. Um, you know, and you can get it fixed somewhere. Like you know, if if it's a nib problem, you can probably send it to somebody. But you know, just factor that into your brain um as part of the cost when you buy it right 
Uh, whereas if you're buying like a Japanese pen, then I think it's very reasonable to presume that they're going to have high UC because generally, if you've done your research, you'll know that um, you know Pilot in particular just has excellent QC. Having said that, though, I think it's still if you just want something to work, you shouldn't have to learn how to do minor adjustments. But I think you it's still a good thing to learn at least how to take the pen apart, how to clean it yeah. thoroughly, how to align the tines, how to maybe even adjust the ink flow by like widening the, 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 the tines, right? It's not strictly necessary. Uh, you, you can get by without it by going to your like pen, pen clinics every once in a while. But I think you're going to, it's going to be worthwhile. You're spending a little bit of time learning that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that was the first question. And that question was from Tom. Second question is, uh, I have a question. And if, um, I have a question. I am new to fountain pens. If I have a budget of up to 200 US dollars, should I get a pen that is closer to $200? Or should I start at the entry level, aka sub 100 US dollars for a first pen? What do you think? It's, I would say it depends on what you want to... Like, if you write every day with a pen and you want to be, like, your main pen, maybe you want to go uh, up to $200 to have a very good nib, like a gold nib, and it will be a pen that you will use every day and cherish, and, and like, it be your pen. And in the case of you are starting a collection or you want to have different uh, type of nibs or size or... Uh, you play with inks, then maybe you want to have one or two or three cheaper pen, but that you can uh, jump between each other and uh, try different yeah, inks, papers and stuff. And then for your budget, you would prefer to to invest in more uh, basic uh, pens, I guess. I would say that like one of the great joys of this hobby is this journey when you like figure out what you like and you're not going to figure out out with your first second third fourth or even fifth pen i believe there's like so many variables like it's like the size of the nib the stiffness of the nib the girth of the pen the filling system the materials there's so many and, and you don't even know what the variables are when you get into this so i would say just get a preppy and a low-end twist board, whatever that looks nice to you. And maybe that will be the only pen you ever need, you ever use. Or if it's not, then based on your experience with that first low-end pen, you might figure out even what, what the next question is and what to look for next time. I think if you can spend $200 and you might get a pen that is objectively a good pen, but it might not be a pen that is what you actually want. Yeah, and given this uh, listener is from Singapore... My suggestion is go to a place like Fukeng, go to a place Aesthetic Bay, think they have pens um, and you should, you know, hold them in your hand. Mm -hmm. If they let you, you should try them out. Um, my, my suggestion will be different based on, based on what this user mm -hmm. wants to do. If the user uh, wants to write with a nice pen, I would say you should just go for around the $200 mark. But if the user is looking at it as a hobby, then starting from lower end pens might not be a terrible mm -hmm. choice, right? Um, because as you said, Jacob, 
there is a bit of like a journey there. You know, none of us started with four digit pens. Um, but, you know, somehow I have a, you know, Gossens in my, in my pen chest. <laughs> somehow I have a pen chest, right? So, so part of discovering what you like is, is really fun. Um, but that's only if you're looking at it as a potential hobby. If you're looking at it from a very utilitarian point of view, uh, I'd say go for a, you know, Pilot Custom 912, call it a day. Yeah, I think it's the, the thing, yeah, it's really depend on what the person wants to do with this pen. Is it the only pen he will buy in his life? Yeah. Or does he start a pen collection, a, a pen hobbies? And yeah. Is he five years old or... 45 <laughs> yeah. yeah it would change a lot all right um the next question so uh the next question is my questions for the podcast are have you ever come close to experiencing a pen burnout and how do you balance the pen time i.e time spent on pen related activities that do not involve writing with your other hobbies now i think Alessa, you have a lot to say about this Oh, I do. Why do you say that? Ah, it's a hunch. <laughs> Actually, I'm in the middle of a burnout right now. Yeah. I haven't posted a video in about a month, and I just got too into it and kind of burnt out a little bit. And uh, you just take a little bit of time. As a matter of fact, today, I actually have probably about 20 pens that are all dried out because <laughs> I inked them last year, and I didn't use them. And while I was running around cleaning them up, it was fun mm-hmm. again. And it's, you just take a break. So when you get burnt out, and that's what I did, I took a break. And um, now pens are fun again. But for a while, there's like, a, if I have another inked up hand, you know, or ink dripping down my arm one more time, I'm just going to like blow a gasket. <laughs> so I had definitely had burnout. Yeah. And you just take a break from it. And then, and, and it's it's just so much fun when you do come back. Yeah, I think that there are two, I, I can think of two main reasons why you have burnout the first one is that you're just like spending too much time on you're trying to maybe if you're trying to produce content like videos or ink reviews or whatever it is and you're just doing too much of it and i think that alessa answered the question of what to do in that case very well i think the other possibility is this whole like fomo chasing limited editions which is just an unwinnable yeah, yeah. game and and i am as it guilty is. as anyone else like, talking about limited editions on instagram or on this podcast but i would say though like don't don't chase limited mm-hmm. editions don't don't and try to try to avoid this whole fomo because there's a lot a lot of fun things about this hobby uh, even if you don't chase limited editions and need the, the latest and greatest pens. It could be, you know, trying to improve your handwriting, trying to get into drawing, try to produce some content, uh, finding like um, forums where you can meet like-minded people, whether that is like on Twitch streams or Discord or Pen Addict Slack. Uh, like, don't, don't chase limited editions. That's my answer. But you actually have another really good thing you do, Jacob, is that you cull your collection. And that was my New Year's resolution this time. And I'm just plowing Mm. through my collection. I'm probably going to sell about 90% of it. Just because it's just, 
you got to store it, then you got to like, okay, occasionally use it to justify having it. Mm. And what you have, what, maybe 10 or 20 pens and that's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, you, they, they kind of, you kind of rent the pens, you play with them for a while and then you move on. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of might want to take that model a little bit more because right now I'm just sitting at my desk and I, I literally probably have a hundred pens lying on my desk right now. And I'm not even going to talk about the ink bottles. It's just mm. too much, you know? So I think, and no, Quay's not going to agree with that because she's like the queen of ink. But I, I think for me, myself, to help with the burnout too is probably call my collection a little bit. But um, I have, like, uh, to, to rebound on what Alicia and Jacob just say, I, I, I resell a lot of my, like, my pen collection and my ink collection rotate a lot. The ink that I, I buy because it was, like, from, I don't know, tips or something, and I feel it. Like on the moment of it interesting, I swatch it once, and I I knew that three months later, if I have an ink and a pen with it, I will not use it. So I will just sell it, and yeah, yeah. I tr yeah I don't have um um at least I learned to not have um not like particular attachment to my material stuff uh, more than yeah yeah yes, more absolutely. than because the burnout can especially when you are living in Tokyo. And having all these fairs, having all these like Sailor Limited Edition who go out every month, at one moment you cannot follow yeah. anymore. Like my pocket, I mean, my wallet cannot follow anymore. My <laughs> just to yeah, just get like enough of it. And I remember sometimes I'm just like, some of you were going to some fair and I was just like, okay, I'm sick and I'm happy to be sick because I cannot, I cannot follow and. <laughs> I, it's just too many, too many, too many, and you you get the, yeah you get this FOMO or you get this too much. Um, you don't have the pleasure to enjoy what you already have because there's just all the time new event, new fair, new pen, new inks. So you, yeah. it's good to yeah. Sometimes you just like yeah, take everything you have, put it on the table, and make a two box. This I keep. This I will sell. This I will give. This I yeah. Uh, more than two books, then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's a good. Uh, I think uh, once or twice a year, uh, like the big spring uh, cleaning, to 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 yeah, just because our house doesn't extend, uh, at, and and you cannot bring all of this with you anywhere. So what I'm hearing is that you want us to go over to have dinner <laughs> very soon. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, so I, I, I think um, I think it's very important to find what you want. And I think a lot of the burnout comes from like buying too much. Like the fact that you see people getting more and and more and you, you, you feel the need to to follow, you know, there is come. Well, that's that's exactly right. what I'm talking about, right? Because because if you aren't focused on what you like, then you're going to buy everything. It's very easy. I like easy. everything. I like everything. That's the problem. Yeah, but but that's the thing, right? Like I like everything too, but but I don't buy everything. At least not for myself. So I don't either. But it adds up really quick. I mean, I, I know just from just knowing you, you buy a lot more pens than I do. I just think that my drowning level is a lot lower. Mm. I just drown a little bit easier in it or something. I get overwhelmed with it a little bit easier. Yeah. But I, I don't really buy that much. But even if, say, you only buy one pen a month, okay, 
then that's still 12 pens in a year. Yeah, that's a lot of pens. You know, that's a lot of pens, yeah. So, I, you know, I think, um, I don't even know if it's FOMO so much as that you just mm-hmm. enjoy pens and all pens. You, you know, you go, I'm not, it's like, quit, I'm not going to get this pen. And then she goes and looks at it and it's really cool and she really enjoys it, right? And now she has a Mekong yeah. pen. And it's just, you know, but then I think probably maybe like I so said, the answer to that is later on if you're still not using the pen. Yeah. You should but what I, yeah. I said, I, for Sailor, for example, I used to have, I don't know, 10, 12 Sailor Pro Gear Slim, but I don't own any of them anymore. And oh, I start yeah, my Sailor yeah. collection with Sailor uh, Slim, and I don't have, I think I keep one, the, the pink uh, glittering one from Pen Penthouse. Is the only one I keep because I really like the the multicolor um, sparkling inside, but the other one I I resell all of them, and and then I have room for Sailor Mini and Rialo that I didn't have one year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, it gets back to like setting boundaries, whether in new acquisitions or existing mm-hmm. pens, right? So, um, Jacob, I know at least. As of last year, two years ago, you had a, what, like 14 pen rule? I don't know if that's still the case. I got 20 pens that I bought myself. Then people send me pens. My rule is only for pens I buy myself. Okay, 20 20 pens. 20 pens. Yeah. (laughs) And then like, you know, you have uh, your rule, only glittering, shimmering, sparkling (laughs) pens. And Um, and I have a line of more like uh, lawyer pen. I have my classical like uh, Maruzen wooden pilot yeah. I have uh, two opposite collection the vintage one yeah. and the uh, more like classical one and the old sparkle yeah. one yeah I'm not in the middle yeah. I'm the two extreme extreme <laughs> completely extreme <laughs> collection yeah and then I have you know I have a very strict rule for for myself which is you know no cartridge converters, no mm. eyedroppers um, for, for whatever I buy myself. And everything else I buy is, is for the fun of it. And then, you know, it, it goes somewhere else or it goes to Akane um, in, in her bag. So she's, she's let's say, uh, her collection has grown a lot in the past two years. Um, <laughs> you just pass it on to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but, but she, has, she has rules as well, right? She likes, like, the galaxy theme. Um, pens she likes like uh, a lot of sheer colors so um so yeah i think setting boundaries is, is really important to avoid pen burnout and you know also echoing what you said earlier Alyssa, i think there are times there are some days where i do like 10 nib grinds a day and then there are some times where i don't grind a single nib for like a month yeah yeah and i can see that totally my my justification for that is well i don't want to grind a nib unless you know i really am in that zone and if i don't feel like it then i'm not going to produce my best work so i just right. don't do it um so yeah I, I think it's it's all about setting boundaries and and knowing where to say no i think that's very important. but also i mean the main point i was trying to get across is that there's more to this hobby than buying and acquiring new yeah. stuff yeah. again yeah. learn to use yeah. the stuff you have whether that is drawing or handwriting produce content where you talk about the stuff you have and how you use it 
Uh, and in my case, for example, right now, I, today I was trying to do research about the, there's this um, steady pen that I found a while ago, and I was trying to find more about this brand and history. I had much fun uh, reading up about that, and I'll probably do a post about that eventually. All right. Last question. We've actually answered this question on the podcast before, but I think, you know, as time changes, this is actually an evergreen question, right? We, we can come back to it all the time. But this is, uh, what is your stationary everyday carry and how do you carry it? Notebooks, planners, pens, pen case in a bag or in your pockets. What can you not leave the house without? Maybe I can go first for, for this question. Um, about 10 years ago, I only owned one pen. Um, and I had it stuck in my uh, front blazer pocket all the time. And if I wasn't wearing a blazer, I would stick it in my my jeans pockets. So that that was how I carried pens. Um, nowadays, I have these um, kimono plush pen cases that I get get off of uh, Mercari. They're really nice, really beautiful, um, and they hold like four or five pens each. And then I I have them in my bag. Um, so I think as I've gotten more stuff or like different stuff. I've also learned to take care of my pens mm-hmm. differently. And f- as for paper, I either bring, um, if my bag is large enough, I bring a A5 Tomoe River. If it's not large enough, then I have a, I have a A6 um, as well, or I bring a Bible size blotter. Yeah, but you got to tell them about your really cool box thing. Yeah, d- d- oh, yeah. the one that I made? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty cool. The, the one that you bring at though, every meeting. The one that you bring at a pen get- gathering. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so I actually wanted a carrying case, and I realized that nobody wa- was creating something that I wanted. So I created, I, I, I built a kind of pen box where on one side it's, uh, it's seven pen slots. You just, you know, stick them in. And then on the other side, it's just an elastic band where you could put in, um, it fits an A5 sized notebook. Uh, and if you have other like miscellaneous, you could probably stick it in there as well. So yeah, I, I, I built that so you can't just go out and <laughs> buy it. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you. What about, what about the rest of you? Well, so I'm not really going anywhere anymore because of Omicron right now. I haven't been to the office <laughs> for like two weeks at least so so i'm mostly working from home and i have this like small six pen toyoka tray on my desk and that's where my inked up pens live it's usually around like two three pens only but sometimes can be more and i take a lot of notes when i'm working and recently i've been mostly using this a4 loose sheets because i, I like to have a whole a4 sheet to t- to for my to-do list and scribbles and boxes and arrows and stuff. But most of what I write is only relevant for that day. It's not, not something I need to keep for later. So I, I write one of four A4 sheets and then at the end of the day, I usually just throw it away. Um, I found this really nice A4 size uh, Stajiki. It was called in English, like pencil board under sheet. I'm not sure, like a soft thing under. I bought on Amazon. And then I have uh, going through various kinds of papers. So I have some Grafila loose sheets. I have some B7 bulky loose sheets. I have some uh, Iraful loose sheets and whatever I'm in mood for, I'm using for that day. So that's my, not not so much of a carry because again, I'm just at home at my desk, but that's what I'm using. You can carry from your desk to your kitchen and from the kitchen to your living room. That's true. <laughs> I always have at least 
two, one or two fondant pan with me when I go out in my in my bag, and I use m- usually either a small a silk um, a pen case or like uh, the book mondo one, um, or I have the um, the superior labor uh, leather case who can hold between two to three fountain pen with me. And for paper, I will either have my mini six plotter with the Tomori River uh, paper to make like uh, ink swatch and trying inks in, in shops and and taking notes, so no, small notes. Or I will have um, AC, A6 MD uh, notebook for sketching. And uh, yeah, when I have some ideas and stuff, I... I want to remind uh, to put yeah to work on it later, so this is the thing I I always have in one of my bag. Cool. And Alyssa, what about you? How do you how do you carry pen products? It's just um, I have two currently inked pens and like a little um, uh, case, which is a little light case, and it's just two mainly because if I run out of ink in one, I've got another pen with ink in it. And then um, I quit using the traveler's notebooks, the small passport size. So I just use just one of the inserts and put that in my purse. So it's very lightweight, that, and just two pens. And there we have it. Um, <laughs> I think that's uh, that's all we have for, for this week, right? Well, let me just interrupt real quick. The 50, 50 podcast thing's a, a real milestone, and congratulations. That's um, That's a lot of work. And, uh, Thank you. Thank your you. listeners need to understand that you guys do put a lot of research and a lot of time into this, and it's, you know, I, I like to listen to yeah. it. So. Yeah, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> it's a, it's a very long way, long journey, and we really hope that you will continue for 50 more and and so episodes because uh, it's it's a very nice adventure. And we are really, like, I, I talk for Alicia and I, but uh, we are really happy to be part and come back uh, as a regular guest. It's always really fun. And make fun of you guys. We're hoping to invite both of you to many more episodes. I certainly hope that we'll see episode 100 in uh, in two years. But uh, but yeah, I think it, it's been an awesome ride. Uh, Jacob, I think you would agree with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we started not really knowing whether this would... I think we started when the first... Lockdown. It was during the very first Lockdown. state of emergency in Japan. Yeah. And we just had some time because we were working from home and there wasn't time, was too much work to do. So that was just, let's see what happens. And here we are. Two years yeah. almost. All right. So, um, so yeah, that's been the episode. Thank you, everybody, so much for tuning in. Um, as always, you know, we can't do this without your support. So please tell your friends, um, tell your family members, uh, you know, post about us on Reddit, on Facebook on Twitter, you know, just let somebody who you think would enjoy the podcast know about us. And, uh, and we'll see you in two weeks. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on Twitter, uh, at Tokyo station MNH and on Instagram and TikTok at Tokyo station pens. My name is Jacob. I'm a fan on Instagram and on Twitter. I have a blog at foodafan.com. My name is Cray. You can find me on Instagram at Mirakat. I'm Elisa. I'm Inky Rocks on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again. Bye.